Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 17 of Farscape. A Constellation of Doubt. I really like this episode. I, 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 I'm aware that this is a well-worn framing device, but the whole, like, John watching a TV show about the Farscape aliens... That's so funny that you said it's a well-worn device, because I was actually thinking about how if this show was made now instead of then, there would be none of the stuff that happens on the ship. All we would see would be the the show that John's watching. Yes. And I, I like that. I like when they do that kind of divergence, that kind of tangent. Storyteller. Yeah, I like Storyteller. I like the episode of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt that's the true crime documentary. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like when they do these. Also, there's a thing in here that normally I hate, but it's fine in this episode. And that's the, like, throughout the show that John is watching, which is a documentary that was made on Earth about the alien visitation called Alien Visitation, which... We don't do time freeze on this show like we do in our Charmed podcast where we talk about what dates the episode. This would be a great episode for it because this is real right after 9-11-y. Yes, it is. But it's also, remember when Fox was doing like alien autopsy and shit? God, yeah. It's very much that with the alien visitation. Remember when the Discovery Channel was doing those like fake shows about mermaids and stuff? Oh, God, yeah. Like, I, I get it. They were trying not to become what they eventually became. Your dad's World War II channel? No, didn't they pivot into being about, like, my 500-pound arm or oh, whatever? Oh, I'm sorry. You said Discovery. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did. And, like, I got... I Sex sent me to the emergency room. Was that a Discovery show? I think so. Or is it maybe the Learning Channel? The, the Learning Channel. I don't know. But I feel like the Discovery Channel just completely lost its mind at some point. Yeah. I'm sorry. What were we talking... Oh, right. I was about to tell you the thing that I don't like. Yes. So I don't like when they do the thing where the person who's presenting, the, the interviewer or the person who's presenting our main character shows like a little snippet out of context and everyone's like, oh no, clearly these aliens are dangerous, but like we, the viewer, are like, you're taking that totally out of context, how dare you? And it's just, it's so frustrating and I hate it so much, usually, but here... And to be fair, these aliens are dangerous. Right. really really dangerous yeah they're only barely taking them out of context but also so that's probably part of why it doesn't bother me but also they're not on earth anymore they left earth and they're not going back so they can just be like fuck those guys <laughs> whatever who cares right they're in our rear view john it's fine so as a reminder previously on farscape john is in time hole yeah uh, the recap shows us the... Yeah. Oh, God, it's the worst. That boring-ass episode where John's trapped in the butt crack between realities I and that, that old episode. guy That old guy keeps on showing, ooh, what if Chiana spoke only in pig Latin? Ooh, what if, uh, what if somehow going back in time changed everyone's race? Yeah, that's important. You hated that. You hated that section. How does that make any sense? How would going back in time change everyone's race? That aside, okay, first of all, it's not going back in time. It's parallel worlds. But this recap is weird because 
they have to show all of this stuff that feels really random, but a lot is going to come back. So we basically have to rewatch the episodes where John was on Earth. So we have to see the little time hole part. And we understand that wormholes are like places where time diverges so you can go to alternate universes from wormholes. Yes. We also need to know that before they went to Earth, they went back to 1969 briefly. Uh-huh. And then we need to know that John's cousin was following them around filming with a video camera the whole time. Another time freeze, by the way, that we'll talk about. Yes. Also, uh, not to reuse a joke, but... Go ahead. Aaron is with missing. I thought you were going to say Aaron is a robot. Yes, Aaron was a robot. The Aaron that came back from the girls' trip was a robot. And the real Aaron has been captured by Scarens and is presumably completely and totally dead. Gone forever. Okay, no, actually, this is important. She's on their hidden base at Kratrotsky. Okay, that's what you need to know. Isn't that like a, you know, oh, he's living on the farm now? I mean... You do have to ask yourself, why would they not just kill Aaron? I'm sorry, but transferred to the hidden base on Katrotsky sounds really, really like a metaphor for, oh, he's he's dead. Also, I guess I should mention that John just assumes that that's where they're bringing her because he heard them say that that's where they were going to bring Graza. Yeah, which is a really weird assumption to make. Well, that's like their base of operations so they're gonna go back there but john has no reason to think that they wouldn't just kill aaron outright although you know what no no i take that back they wouldn't kill aaron outright because the thing that everybody wants more than anything is john's wormhole knowledge and what's the best way to get anything out of john as we learn at the end of this episode is to dangle aaron in front of him especially now when aaron is with child do the Scarens know about John? The Scarens know that um, Scorpius was real hot to capture John. I think. Okay, I, I guess that tracks. I. I mean, I, I feel like it's be really easy for them to figure out that John's the one who has the wormhole knowledge. Okay, it's just it's one of those things that we've been sitting with. Like that knowledge is something we've had for forever, but it it feels like one of those things that you'd be like, oh yeah, barely anyone actually knows about that. Which is good. Yes. So we start to see the alien visitation documentary. It's got like... Glamour shots of all of the aliens. Right, right. I was trying to think of how to describe the host, though. Oh, gosh. Bill O'Reilly E. Yeah, like Bill O'Reilly doing a Leonard Nimoy impression. Yeah. This guy looks like if someone very, very ambitious tried to make an evil skeleton and overshot a little bit. You know, because well, he still has skin and stuff. But You know, he, he kind of looks like uh, Kevin from Shark Tank. Oh, no. That's that's too mean. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Kevin is the worst person ever. Yeah, but that doesn't... He doesn't look like the worst person ever. He just is the worst person ever. That's true. Also, also Bill O'Reilly is the worst person ever. This guy looks like him. So. Also, it's the year of our Lord 2023. I feel like the worst person ever is a pretty tight field. Yes, that is accurate. That is an accurate statement. Kevin is awful. Yes, he is. But... There's I don't understand a... why anyone makes deals with him. Well, they don't anymore. I mean, if if you see, if you watch the recent episodes, like, 
People take deals with uh, what's his bucket? The guy uh... Robert Hershevik. Yeah, Robert Hershevik, who no one ever does deals with. Like, are the, are his deals that bad? Well, he's 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 greedy. He'll he'll push. He'll he'll offer terrible terrible plans to everyone. Also, I have to assume he's terrible to work with because he thinks like. Isn't his reputation? He's like the nice one. Oh, I met Kevin. Oh, yeah. I assume Kevin is terrible to work with. Yeah, no, that's there's there's a lot. Of, I totally understand why people don't want to make deals with Kevin because he like, thinks he's he thinks he's the greatest ever and he's terrible. Like if I was on Shark Tank and he was like, and I was presenting my project or whatever, and he was like, "Well, you know, I just I just don't see how this is investable," and I'd be like. Motherfucker, you thought Nest wasn't investable, so maybe go suck it. Also, did your wife kill a couple of people? I mean, I know that's not a relevant thing to bring up, but... You would do say that, though. <laughs> this is why we're never going to be on the short tank. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god. I mean, we'd show up and we'd just immediately start yelling at Kevin. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Shark Tank. <laughs> well, now that we've killed our chances of going on Shark Tank... <laughs> Asking them to invest in our, our podcast empire. Yes. I mean, we'd have a better shot than some people, right? Remember that guy who could, like, find gold by making armpit farts or whatever? Oh, that, no, no, no. That You mean the guy who is going to make, like, a whirlpool and suck gold out of the ocean? Yes, I'm sorry. I tried to make up something dumb, and it was way less dumb than the actual idea for his project. Well, remember the guy? Remember the couple? And I know you know what I'm going to say because it's my favorite one to talk about. It's the best one. The couple who had the stuffed elephant in a little box? The elephant in the room. I mean, you had something difficult you wanted to talk to your spouse about? You put it out so that they knew that you wanted to have a hard conversation? They were like, we've been married for one year and we've been to three different marriage counselors and they've all told us that communication is the most is the most important part of any relationship, so we've created an elephant that will tell you when you have to have an awkward conversation with your life partner. Can you imagine, you know the stereotype of, like, or the joke of, like, when you text someone we need to talk? Like, imagine buying a prop for that. Oh, God, it's the worst idea ever. They, d- they did not get the investment, and a year later they were divorced. Those two things are not connected, though. Or or perhaps they are, but the cause is flipped. Mm. But, okay, I just I can't get over it because not only is it a terrible idea in general to, like, have some weird signal that you put out that you need to talk that's creating anxiety in your partner instead of just having the conversation, you know, just having the conversation, but also you're asking people to pay a bunch of money for the stuffed elephant. That is unnecessary. You could just buy a regular stuffed elephant. They're or not you, that expensive. You could just say, when I put this mug on the table, <laughs> it means we need to talk. Like, you literally don't need the elephant. Why would you do that? Because it's not wordplay otherwise. That's what I want to bring to my marital spats, <laughs> which we don't actually have. But if we had marital spats, that's what I would want to bring to them. More wordplay. Sparkling wordplay. Oh my god. Okay. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Farscape. This guy who does, I believe, look like Kevin. <laughs> I'm still pulling for Bill O'Reilly. Okay. If Bill O'Reilly and um Palpatine pre all of his face falling off had a baby. Yeah, because he's he's skinnier than either of them. Anyway. A little bit of uh Ben what's his bucket. Ben Stein. Yes! Ooh, yeah. Yeah, like bald Ben Stein. Bald Ben Stein with a different voice. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, John's watching this documentary and Rigel comes in and is like, oh my God, John, stop. I wish we hadn't told you when we intercepted this video because John is basically doing the early 2000s version of doom scrolling, right? He like, he can't look away from watching this terrible video. Also, it is a video. There's like a an alien VCR player built into a slime wall because aliens, but like pilots like, okay, Moya, you need to grow a VCR player so that John can watch this tape. Yeah, yeah. Rigel comes in to yell at John and be like, stop torturing yourself. It's not your fault that like, Humans are terrible. Like, you can't help where you come from. I, I like that Rigel I like isn't th- blaming John for being a terrible human. I like that Rigel brought a human snack to watch this human program. Yeah. Like, like I guess he just got a lot of popcorn when he left Earth. Rigel's obsessed with human food now, and I love that as a character trait for him. Yes. I like that one of the things that apparently Earth provides that other places don't is, like, Sugar. sugar. And, and, and not just sugar, but, like, processed food stuff. We've seen that in, in the galaxy. Like, it seems like food is just fuel everywhere else in the galaxy. And it feels like that's kind of a thing in sci-fi in general, where food is just fuel. Yeah, it's the dream of those pills that you eat. Exactly. And even, I keep thinking about the food cubes and crackers don't matter, right? Yeah. It's food cubes. So, John goes up to the bridge to harass Sokozu, who is calling various... Scarens on her CB radio to try to figure out where Katrotsky is, and she's having no luck. This is respectively a 90 and a 70s ass high tech thing. I, the fact that the technology that she's using is CB radio is just. I mean, I, that's not what they call it, but that's essentially what she's doing. Yeah. yeah, and that John essentially had a VCR player. Like it's weird seeing futuristic versions of old tech. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, though, because it's not the kind of thing we normally see, I I don't feel like. Well, it just reminds me of that, I think it's a Simpsons bit, where uh, they're talking about how much uh, phone technology has advanced, and back in the days you you used to need operators, but these days they just use uh, computers for that, and then they hard cut to a bunch of female robots who are just gossiping while flipping the, uh, the old-timey switchboards. Nice, nice. Like... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Old tech and new tech. I gotcha. So John is really irritated with Sakozu. He believes that she knows more about Katrotsky that she's letting on because he remembers her saying something about it, but he can't quite remember. He can't quite bring up the memory. And I do love how snarky she's been with him because she has been searching for Aaron, like genuinely for hours and hours and finding nothing. And John is being really unreasonable about it it's it's understandable because Aaron is missing but he's being so unreasonable and he's like why haven't you found her yet and Sokozu's like well this might shock you John but people don't usually run around putting out maps to their secret bases yeah John's plan is bad here like it's yeah it seems unlikely to me that Sokozu would be able to find this information through this channel well, like I said, he he knows that she knows about it, but he can't remember why he knows that. And she's like, John, I have perfect memory, and I've never talked about this stupid space base. And I regret mentioning to you that it was where they were going to bring Graza. Right. I mean, I can't really blame John, and I appreciate that on the ship people don't really blame him either. You know what would come in real handy here? Locator spell. 
I'm sorry. It's weird that we're dealing with a show where they're looking for someone and there isn't an easy answer. They're all ignoring. Unlike Uncharmed. Actually, I was thinking Once Upon a Time, but yeah, Scrying and Charmed. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I... It's television, so, like, no spoilers because it's television, but they are going to find Aaron. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of grim to realize that, like, in the whole of the universe, it it it's... It's real hopeless. Like, how would they possibly find Aaron? Okay, I know this is a thing, but it's always been my thing with Moby Dick. Oh, Mike, go on. Where I'm like, I know it's a very, it's a great piece of literature and I shouldn't be Monday morning quarterbacking it. Uh Uh-huh. But honestly, I kind of think it would have been a stronger story if he just never found Moby Dick. Ocean's big. There are a lot of whales can waste your whole life searching for something that just doesn't matter at all i mean i I disagree that that would have made a better story but it would have been a more accurate story sure well i mean the whale shows up and fucks everyone up i mean i you get the same moral which is that you can't take revenge against an animal although i guess it would be better if i mean since the whale just kills everyone isn't it that you can't (laughs) you you can't take revenge against an animal that's very capable of killing you I mean... Like, it's not like he killed the whale and felt nothing because it's not like the whale had context for their conflict. Well, his his own revenge consumed him, right? It's like the whale the whale is secondary to, to his monomania. Anyway, speaking of, like, maniacal revenge that consumes you, let's talk about the peacekeepers. All right. Way to bring it back. Thank you. I know that was, that was actually kind of a stretch, but... Also, uh, Moby Dick, super gay for about the first, I'm going to say, 30 pages, and then it's just not anymore. I mean, my favorite sarcastic review of Moby Dick that I remember from high school was, and, and understand this is sarcasm, Moby Dick, too much action, not enough minutia about the whaling business. Yeah. yeah. I When I finished Moby Dick, I had to read it senior year of high school. When I finished it, I felt like I was qualified to serve on a whaling vessel. I was like, I could harvest and debone a sperm whale right now. Okay, see, I couldn't. I read it for the first time a couple years ago. Uh Uh-huh. And honest to God, it was just white noise through like two-thirds of that book. Yeah. Every time he started talking about, you know ropes and crap i was just like one of my favorite things is that this is this is a book written in a time before we're talking about like widespread like filming right yeah people hadn't seen pictures of whales there are there are super long chapters just describing what a whale is like yeah because it's really you, you, you're you used to, because, you know, you see pictures of whales since you were a kid, so you have context for them. But, like, imagine being someone who never had any context for a whale seeing a whale for the first time. That would fuck you up. You'd be like, oh, holy shit, monsters are real. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those people who found dinosaur bones in their backyards in, like, the 1300s. Is that a thing that happened? It had to have, right? Sure, sure. So, John's watching the video. Aaron is being interviewed, and the person who's interviewing her is basically trying to get her to say that they're going to come attack Earth. He's like, okay, but the peacekeepers are fascists, right? And she's like, yeah, we're space fascists, but I'm not a peacekeeper anymore, so I'm not a space fascist anymore. And he's like, so 
what's to keep them from just destroying Earth? And she's like, because you're like a piddly little black backwater planet. Nobody cares about you. He's like, but you look like humans. How do we know there aren't humans or peacekeepers disguised as humans everywhere? And she's like, I can't express enough how little strategic value you have to us. Seriously, like, she, A, this is uh, this is not exactly good, uh, I don't know, stage business from Aaron. I feel like she didn't really get much media coaching before going on this show. Uh-huh. But I do love, because, yeah, he's like, oh, how do we know you haven't, you know, infiltrated us and you're not undercover in our society? And Aaron's like... We would have no need to take your society, like, we we wouldn't need to infiltrate you. We could take you by force so easily, but, like, why? You're a dirt ball in the middle of nowhere space. You have no value to anyone. That's why you're safe. I do like that Aaron, I mean, you said she didn't get media coaching. This feels like, a, like a, an error on her part, but it's not. It's just the truth. She's like... You keep pressing me because you want me to tell you that, like, Earth is safe, but Earth isn't safe. We could totally wipe you out in, like, a second. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's statistically unlikely that something bad will happen to you. Which is a collection of my comics that you can buy never because I don't know if it's ever actually going to happen. Oh, yeah. So John's cousin comes out. Billy. Bobby. Bobby. Bobby, every teen. And... It's so funny because the guy, the host is interviewing him since most of the footage that they have of the aliens is from him. And he's like, isn't it remarkable that we just happen to have a kid in the right place at the right time with a camcorder? Time freeze. I mean, not. We're using all of our charmed one powers in this episode of Farscape. I just, can you imagine how much like, I mean, there, there would have been just so many TikToks and Facebook reels of all of these people. Like, it, Okay, there's there's a webcomic I used to like in middle school that I revisited recentishly. Mm-hmm. And part part of uh, the lore of the world in the webcomic is that magic is real, but it only likes to be, and it's kind of sentient, and it only likes to be used by a few people. Uh-huh. And uh, every, every time enough people find out about it, magic resets. Mm-hmm. So, like, only a few people know about it, and they have to... Sure, sure. And it, it's talking to one of the main characters of the comic about, you know, okay, well, we're going to reset soon, and the main character's like, no, don't do that. It's like, well, I, I only like being known by a few people. And, and the main character's like, that's not a plausible thing anymore. Everyone has cell phones now. Yeah. Like, one person literally anywhere learns how to pop fireballs... Half the world will see that, and a lot of them will think it's fake, but enough of them won't. Like, you need to change the way that you interact with being perceived by people, because at this point... Is that what happens in the comic? Yeah. Yeah, magic decides not to reset. It's like, okay, we're going to accept this as an inevitability and try to change things around that. That's cool. It's an interesting concept the comic is kind of i i like i'm not gonna say the same because i feel like i'm being a little mean to it but it's really really interested in how systems of magic work which is not originally like originally it was just about you know these people having adventures and some of them have magic powers Mm -hmm. and eventually it just sort of became about the minutia of how magic works like 
you know, someone has figured out how to make magic wands, and then there's like 17 different pages of them being like, hmm, if I shift my mask like this, I can make my hair longer. And if I shift the hue of my body, I can change the hue of my hair. Or I can transfer that mask somewhere else. Or I can transfer that hue somewhere else. And it's like, oh my god, I know this is interesting to the person writing it, but it is the most boring thing to read. You know, you, you really have to walk that fine line between explaining enough that it feels plausible and we can all move on and just spending too much time on it. Like we, Looking at you, midichlorians. What? I'm sorry, it's just right before the webcomic made the turn into that, uh-huh. there's a whole comic that is talking about midichlorians as... When there, there's a character who's literally complaining about the midichlorians because he's, he's he's like, you're doing an explanation for something everyone accepted at face value. Nobody wants this, and I'm like, you saw this coming. <laughs> like you have a you have a character complaining about the thing that you then proceeded to do because it's a joke about explaining how a like gag part of the comic early on was actually a magic thing. Uh huh. And. You know, the character complaining about the midichlorians is a thing for, okay, look, I know that this was just a running gag that women hit men with hammers when they said, like, sexist things. And you just accept it at face value because it's a trope. Right. But they're like, no, it is a magical thing and we're going to explain it. That's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like the webcomic and I... No, I, I, I mean, it, no, I mean, it's funny that they, like... Yeah. Yeah, they were like, we don't over-explain things right before they start over-explaining. I feel like that is a thing in art where people can't really see themselves. Yes, I mean, we're also doing a podcast right now, so no room to judge. Well, I mean, yeah, fair. <laughs> All right, so Bobby, Bobby Everyteen, explains to the host that the reason that he made his videos public is because he heard a lot of people talking about the aliens and being afraid of the aliens, and he wanted them to know... That the aliens were just normal, cool people. Which is like, which is irony because Billy, oh, now you had me doing it. Sorry. Because Bobby's <laughs> videos are going to be used to, of course, paint the aliens as super scary. And then we get one of my favorite Dargo moments ever. Dargo's talking to Bobby and he says, you know, I've watched a lot of your movies. And you always have like evil aliens and victorious earthlings. And it's just ridiculous. That's not the way it works. And Bobby says, so aliens aren't evil? And Dargo says, no, y'all aren't going to be victorious. Like, I do enjoy be that. scarier, Dargo. I do enjoy that Moya's crew has literally zero chill. <laughs> like, I get it. They've all been through a lot. And honestly, the thing is, I think that they do think that they're being comforting because they're being upfront about the fact that, look, literally any species in the universe mm-hmm. could kick Earth's ass. But you're so insignificant, it would never happen. Yeah. Like, they're, they're trying to be nice and comforting here. Like, if you had a way to defend yourself against alien threats, aliens would see you as a threat. You know, it's funny because at some point... I, I will show you certain episodes of Stargate. I will not exp- I will not force you to endure all of Stargate. Thank you. But this episode had me thinking about Stargate a lot because later seasons of Stargate are really focused around, all right, now that the Gauld know that we're here and that we're, you know, aware of what's going on and we have our own Stargate, we have to figure out how to defend ourselves. And a lot of the later seasons of Stargate 
focus on, okay, we are a pre-Starflight society dealing with ancient aliens who are wanting to enslave us. Yeah, yeah Max is doing the aliens guy meme. But it literally is, because in Stargate, you know, the aliens, like, they, they fly in pyramid ships and shit. Yeah. By the way, he's still on TV. Like, I saw a thing with him at the gym, and I was like... Is your question, how can a guy who's so ridiculous he's a meme for ridiculousness still be around? Is that your question? Yeah. Like, it was the guy from the meme, but older and still doing it. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, I mean, I get it. He had a whole career doing this, but... Aliens! Aliens. But yeah, Stargate, right? Like, they have to figure out how to defend themselves. That's the point that Earth is at right now. Although, of course, <laughs> good luck, y'all, because... They don't they, they they don't have they don't have Daniel Jackson in this universe. That means nothing to you. He's blonde glasses guy, right? That is correct, yes. Played by James Spader in the movie, but not in the uh TV show. That is correct, yes. And there's that running gag where they've got the guy, but his name is spelled differently in the TV show than in the movie. That's that's the Kurt Russell character, that's O'Neill. Yeah, O'Neill. That MacGyver. Yeah. In the TV show. Richard Dean Anderson plays him in the TV show. That's Richard a... Dean Anderson is also MacGyver. Yes. I'm telling them. They might not know. Was he something else? No, I guess those were the two big things. I just... Are he's MacGyver and Stargate not good enough for you? Yeah, I, I guess that's it. I, again, there's a, there's a classic Simpsons bit where they got him to guest, and he, he's at a comic convention, and comic book guys like, of all of the star franchises, Gate, Trek, Wars... Yours is in my top three. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is when I show you when I show you Stargate, um, I'm mostly going to be showing you Val Alderan. Val Valderan, uh, who doesn't really show up until Claudia Black and Ben Browder go on to Stargate, and Ben Browder replaced uh, O'Neill. Yeah, so you're actually not going to see any MacGyver probably. Uh, what if we watch the cartoon Stargate Atlantis? Stargate Atlantis isn't the cartoon. Uh, Stargate, the cartoon one. Um, I don't think he's in that either. I haven't actually watched the cartoon, although I do actually like Stargate Atlantis. I, you, it you, is beyond me that that premise got multiple spinoffs. Uh, it also has uh, Stargate Universe, which is where they're on the ship. The living ship? No, it's not a living ship. <laughs> Although I, I feel like I feel like I gave you all, well I do want to show you some some of the Val stuff but wait so is it, it's like inverse DS nine which is the one it is it's reverse DS nine in trying to defend Earth they have some alien ships so um no I'm gonna show you the Val Maldoran stuff so that'll be fun but I also showed you the only really important moment that you need to see in Stargate which is when Val is uh, doing the humanity test. No, that's great. That, that's a great one. No, when she's pitching TV shows to yes. the producer and she pitches him Farscape and he's like, I, that, I have no idea what you're talking about. And, and tying it all back together, she's, you know, she's on Stargate. And at this point, Ben Browder's on Stargate. But Daniel Jackson is in the John Crichton role and... Ben Browder is in the Stark role, much like in this episode where they flip everyone around. Okay, also, is Stark coming back? Because I'm starting to feel like he's not. Yeah, he's coming back. Okay, we are rapidly running out of time for Stark to come back. Yeah, I know, right? 
Like, I know he was in that video game episode, kind of, but... He was 100% in that video game episode. That wasn't really him. It was him. It was just, like, Saw, though. Where, like, most of the movies take place after he died and it's just recordings he set up? Yes. I'm sorry, if he had that much money to set all of this stuff up, why couldn't he get his cancer treated? I thought you were going to say, why didn't he just, like, pay people's medical bills? Oh. Or that, because this whole thing was revenge for the insurance company not covering him. Yeah. But he had, had enough money to set up, like, dozens of death traps. I feel like if you had that much money, then why not just buy up people's medical debt? Yeah. Although, okay, so, so I'm I'm having to be transparent here and say I haven't actually watched the Saw movies. I've just read the summaries about them on Wikipedia. Isn't that one girl from the first movie? Wait, she's not in the first movie. She's in the second movie. Isn't that one girl, like, actually running everything? Okay, actually, she is briefly in the first movie. Uh, she's interviewed as the only person who survived one of Jigsaw's traps. Uh, we find out that she actually became his apprentice in the second movie when uh, she's trapped in the murder house that he built. Uh-huh. And she's kind of, she helps guide everyone through, except not really, because, you know. Well, I'm just saying, I think maybe it's her sweat equity that's getting all this done and not necessarily him funding it. Yeah, I think she dies in the third one, but he had, like, two other apprentices. And it's like, I'm sorry, you've got a lot of people on payroll, too, for, or what Oh, no, you. no, no, this is, this is a for-exposure job. Yes, yes. So, one of the things I like about this episode is that there are a bunch of talking heads in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And... They have varying levels of excitement about aliens being on Earth, right? So we see the first talking head, and it's an anthropologist, and he's like, oh my gosh, there are aliens! Aliens! Which is awesome, but also he recognizes that, uh, you know, it's probably going to mean the destruction of Earth. And we have, like, a psychiatrist, and we have John's sister, and we find out that Bobby... Bobby? Yeah, Bobby, Uh uh-huh. Bobby isn't... John's sister who was introduced's kid, but, like, a third or second sister, I guess. Okay, like, I didn't even realize this. I I repeated the line he said back to you, like, three times before I realized that you were telling me that he was referring to John's sister as his aunt, which means whose child is he? Yeah. I'm not not even gonna worry about that, because whatever. John has another sister that they just never- Or brother. I guess maybe she could be, like- married to someone i'm not i'm literally not even sweating it i know who cares i'm just saying it would be really fun uh, it would be really funny if they dropped another sister on john after they were like oh yeah and john has a sister yeah yeah did not mention it all for the first three seasons so we also see an uh sociologist who's like yeah these these guys are trouble we see a psychologist who's, like, really concerned with the moral turpitude of the aliens. And it's like, lady, these are aliens. Impropriety. Yeah, she's, she's really worried about the effects of, of, of young people seeing scantily clad aliens. It, it, that that almost eff- feels meta to me. Is the effect of aliens on our youth. Yeah, yeah, it's like that episode of Baywatch where someone wants to make a TV show out of Baywatch. Mm. And and they're all mad because of the because he wants to make it all sexy and they're like Baywatch isn't about sex it's about saving people and Stephanie getting hit by a pole. I was actually thinking it's meta the way God yeah I was actually thinking it's meta. She had skin cancer. How is that how they kill her? 
I mean, I know they wanted it to be a swerve, but she she gets cured of cancer and then she gets smushed the next episode by a mast falling off a ship. Yes, that is what happens. Uh, I was actually thinking it was meta the way uh, TGS Hates Women episode of 30 Rock is meta or Bender Should Not Be on TV is a meta episode of Futurama. Anyway, speaking of like terrible children things... Dargo has taken, in in the videos, Dargo has taken Bobby onto Lolan and is showing him, like, video of Dargo blowing up ships in Lolan. And it's like, and of course, Bobby's like, yeah, you go out and you fight the bad guys. And Dargo's like, yeah, the bad guys. I mean, Dargo's sure. pretty upfront about it. He's like, yeah, that's not really how it works. Like, some of the people I killed were horrible monsters who deserved to die. And some of them were just people who took the wrong job. Whoops. Hey, kid, you want to play with this giant planet-destroying laser? But first I have to vomit on you. Well, I I, I knew you I knew you were going to bring up the vomit because we don't... Um, we don't see how he got that thing working. But we know that there must be vomit involved. Oh, why there, is... There why could is, also be urine or, I guess, like, armpit sweat. Why is everything about Dargo's ship disgusting? He named it after his dead wife. And then filled it with his fluids. <laughs> it's funny because it's horrible. Anyway, we also see a military guy who's a talking head who's very, very concerned about, you know, the fact that the aliens could wipe us all out. And then did, there's like... Did you ever read Willy Wonka in the Great Glass Elevator? Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator. I did, but I have very little memory of it. One of the reoccurring characters is this American military general whose solution to literally everything is nuke it. And it's the only way to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting real shades. Of, I mean, this is a it's a stock character, but he's yeah. like, we need to blow up all the aliens before they blow up us, which. Good luck with that. Yeah. Really? Really? So the psychologist is saying that Dargo showing the kid the the weapon capabilities of the ship when the kid asks to see the weapon capabilities of the ship is psychological terror. He's a terrorist. He's just showing us all how easily he could destroy us and he by by attacking the mind, it's the deadliest kind of attack of all except of course the lasers. So Dargo back in back on Moya with John watching the video, Dargo shows up and is like, "Hey, Stop torturing yourself. It's not even that good. They didn't even have the uh they didn't even have the commercial for Gold Top Nuts. Yes. Yes. John is being a real Tiffany's boyfriend. He's over here rooting for the opposite team. And Dargo Dargo is seriously like no, he tries to put on a, a he tries to put on a video of a football game that he got instead to distract John. It's it, this is some serious like distracting a toddler shit happening. And John's you like, love football, right? John's like, I've already seen this game and it's not a good game. And then he starts going off about Katrotsky again. And Dargo's like, Look, we all know what you know. No one knows anything more. And John's like, No, someone knows something more. It's on the edge of my brain. And it's bothering me, and I can't quite get there. Dargo's like, look, dude, my section of the show is almost over. My section of the episode is almost over. So uh-huh. I'm going to head out. But before I do, I just want you to know, Aaron is front credited. We're going to find her in like an episode or two. Right. Uh, it is kind of 
it, it, it is, again, like I said, horrifying to think about how actually impossible it would be to find Aaron. And... Yeah, I mean, it's not a good story, but the truth of the matter is, like, a lot of revenge stories should probably just end with a person never finding the other person or animal or alien again. Yeah, but I mean, those aren't the stories we tell. I mean, you could. Honestly, if you want to tell a story about what a waste of time revenge is, which is what a lot of revenge stories are about. Right, of course. There are relatively few revenge is awesome stories, but they do exist. Yes. So the next section of the documentary that John is watching is basically about how John clearly has PTSD and is not dealing with it. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that you shouldn't really diagnose someone from a few seconds of video a teenager shot, but that psychiatrist is pretty on the money about John. Well, I mean, we know that because we know what's up with John. There is actually, like, a thing, there's, like, an ethical thing that psychologists are not supposed to diagnose people from, from watching documentaries and shit. But she's on TV, so we can assume that she's already been disbarred or whatever the uh, equivalent of that is for psychologists who get on TV. <laughs> yeah. It seems or, like... or maybe she's a Dr. Oz-style psychologist and doesn't actually have any credentials. Okay. Doctor? Really? Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I yeah. was quoting, uh, is that 30 Rock? I don't know. It feels like a 30 Rock joke, but oh, we need to get going on this episode. I know, I know. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the psychologist is like, yeah, clearly John has suffered PTSD. Clearly he's been under stress every single moment he's been in space, which is true. I mean, we know that. It's true. Yes. So back... That is, that is a true fact about John Crichton. He yeah. has not had fun in space. Mm-mm. Other than when he was with Aaron, who is missing. And back on the bridge, Chiana is yelling at Sokozu to find the base. And Sokozu's like, what is wrong with all of you? That's not how any of this works. And Chiana's like, what if I sexy yell at you? What if I push my boobs into your boobs and push you up against a wall? Boobwardly, and and because it's like, I don't have any more information than I had before, and also this is a terrible way of finding information out. Shouldn't we be like looking for scaring criminals who escaped or whatever? I mean, she doesn't say that, but that's true. That's what they should be doing. Yeah. Anyway, she tells Chiana, "Why don't you look for a while?" And she storms off. Then we go back to the documentary, and now we're dealing with Naranti. Who says she's making rat poison, but she jokes that she's making poison to give to the rats so that the rats can poison humans and they can be on an even playing ground. Naranti's great. I, I honestly, like, I love Naranti. Naranti is one of my favorite characters in the show. And I love how no one really knows how to handle her because, like, all of the TV people are like, okay, this woman is uh, insane. This woman is a spiritual genius. This woman is like an evil mastermind trying to undermine, you know, the psychology of America or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, they're really all over the map on her. Everyone has a very different opinion of what she's doing, which I just think is interesting. Well, I mean, Naranti showed up on Earth and basically was walking around like a witch. And people were like, magic's not real. And she's like, okay, but I'm also an alien. They, they talk about how apparently when she was back on Earth, she went to um, Brazil and was like meeting with people and she cured a blind kid. And they're like, we don't know how she did it. And it's like, she's an alien. Yeah. she She's an alien. I'm going to say doctor. 
Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess technically herbalist, but like in function, she's a doctor. And she's got access to plants that can do stuff that plants and other things. Yes. I, I do also like that she's talking about how, I mean, she she's an herbalist. She's an apothecary, right? And how every planet has different plants just waiting for her to, like, come and discover what she can do with them. I Yeah, like, she points out, like, the plants on your planet can do amazing things. And I have access to much more than just that. Mm-hmm. And then there's, I think, a really great sequence where she talks to Bobby about what what religion is. Like, what is religion? And he says, you know, it's it's being good. And she says, well, it's, that's hypocritical because that's not that's not how you actually behave. And I, I like that we cut to uh, the anthropologist who's like, she's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's not wrong. There's an interesting bit where she talks about killing being a necessary part of life and sort of the weird relationship between religion and killing. Right. And she she kind of talks about thinking of killing as not a morally negative act, which we, you know, we're aware of Naranti's thoughts on this sort of thing. And it cuts to the general who's like, let's see what she thinks, uh, you know, about killing when she's actually had to kill a man. It's like, dude... Dude. 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 Also, don't you think she's a hostile alien threat? Like, why do you think Naranti has not killed someone? She's The way she's talking about it makes it pretty clear that Naranti has killed people. Yes. We also get, like, when she's talking about religion, we get a criminal psychologist doing a talking head about how she's psychotic because Bobby's trying to talk to her, like, just trying to explain religion to her, and she's twisting all of his words. And it's like, my friend... Have you never had an argument with anyone about literally anything? I was going to say, have you never talked to a college freshman? Oh, like, oof. like th- this is, I mean, I enjoy Nar- what Naranti's talking about, but it is like, come on. It is somebody who's just had their first like world religions class. Oh yeah. This is, this is super a, uh, this is super a conversation you have as a college freshman. Yeah. So then we get a weird thing where we go back to Aaron's interview and she's telling the interviewer that essentially aliens are just like you. They have families and marriage and children. And it's like, no, the fuck you don't. Yeah, your society literally like your dad got killed because he had emotions for your mom and your possible baby daddy. But let's be real. It's going to be John. Like, that guy that you were into got killed because you two were having a relationship. Also, I guess, because he was, like, rebelling against the peace gear. Because he was trying to keep Moira from getting pregnant. Yeah. And then you betrayed him. Yes. But, like, then the interviewer's like, so, could you mate with a human man? And I'm like, oh, right, this is what TV interviews were like in the early 2000s. Well, I feel like it's kind of still that. Like, you get a woman being interviewed, and it's all about, like... Okay, but who who are you going to produce children with? Who are you going to mash genitals with? Are they still doing... I mean, I don't watch a ton of interviews because... I guess I don't either. Yeah, maybe maybe they're not like that anymore. But, like, I just... It, it was a thing when Barbara Walters died where people were posting clips of her interview with Britney Spears, who was, like, 19. Uh-huh. And she was grilling her about her virginity. And I'm like... Yeah, not not appropriate, not okay. Yeah, like... Why do you think this is, A, something anyone needs to hear? Like, I get that sex is a big part of her image, but, like, it's a really uncomfortable interview to watch, especially when 
you know, with all the context of what we know about Britney Spears now. Yeah, yeah. But Aaron is, Aaron tells him, she's like, well, I guess we won't know if I can procreate with an earthling until I do, if I do. And then- Was this guy vetted? Because this really doesn't seem like a line of questioning that would be good to, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this, I mean, I feel like it is accurate to TV of the time, but- Yeah. Yeah. So, clearly what the show is implying, though, is that Aaron is Aaron and John are an item. Yes. And we we actually get a talking head from John's sister, who's like, yeah, I don't think she's pregnant with John's baby. I know everybody's got this rumor that she's pregnant with John's baby, but I don't think she's pregnant with John's baby. And then we have, like, spy footage, spy camera footage uh, that Bobby took of... Liv talking to John and being like, okay, she's obviously into you. You're obviously into her. Why are the two of you fucking around? Just get together already. And oh my god, I love this line. John says, Aaron has a word for uh, for what we are. And it's yesterday. God, John. <laughs> I love that. I know. It's a little, it's a little much. It's a little... talking. Speaking about things a college freshman would say. I don't care. I love it. Oh my god, it's so it's so sad because they do they do love each other, but whatever. Liv is all like, but when she looks at you, her eyes soften. She clearly still loves you, and when you look at her, your lips get all soft. Which okay. He's like, oh, her eyes soften. She has a tell. What do I have a tell? And she's like, yeah, your tell is that you're a goddamn horny cartoon wolf. <laughs> who, oh. who I guess was inexplicably dating that neighbor lady or whatever, but. Kim. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Kim's not getting any interviews here. No, she's not. She's not. So, Chiana is now talking to John. Sort of. She's mostly just watching John watch the video because she's like, oh, right. He's in love with Aaron and Aaron's missing. This is a mess. Yeah, we get a little bit of the, like, Aaron Christmas shots. and Yeah, this is this is very, very shades of... The missing wife video. Because we're doing Aaron at Christmas time. This is the missing wife video. Like, that that television always has. Honestly, Bobby was kind of a nothing character in the episode he was in. But I'm really enjoying him in this episode. He he asks, he's like, wow, so, like, all of these presents are for Uncle John? And she's like, yes. Yes, they are. And he's like, did you get anything for me? And she's like, yes, but it was too big to fit in the house. And he's like, oh, cool. <laughs> I, I honestly like how really upfront Bobby is in all of his stuff. There's a very, very awkward conversation with Chiana later mm-hmm. where she's asking him about sex and he's being way more frank and honest than you would expect a teenage boy to be, especially around someone he's very clearly attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also a, there's also a scene here where we see him talking to Aaron about it's funny because I said like bullshit, right? Where she's saying that she. Can you tell what TV show we've been watching? Right, we've been watching Poker Face. Uh, but where Aaron was like, "Yeah, we're just like you." But when she's talking to Bobby, she tells him the truth. She explains how she was born, right? That she was raised to not have any connections to family, to not not have like that. That's not a thing that was part of her upbringing. And he says, "Did you want that?" And she says, "Like once she knew what it was, yeah, she did." It's a great moment. Yeah. Oh. Oh. 
Also, Chiana tells John, she's like, well, you know, you could go back to Earth. And he's like, not without Aaron. I'm not doing shit without Aaron. And honestly, probably not with Aaron. Like, I was on Earth for like three months and I wanted to eat my own face. Also, like, he was on Earth for three months and this is the video they made. Like, don't go back to Earth. Yeah, it's not going to go well. Earth is just your stupid high school ex. Don't, don't even waste your time with Earth. <sighs> This guy's doing so much fear-mongering, the host of this show. Yeah. Which, I get it, 9-11 just happened. This was, you know, the style at the time. Yeah. To do a Simpsons quote about a horrifying, world-changing event that, you know, really, really... uh, Yeah, I can't get into it, but yeah, this is very of the era, though, this sort of fear-mongering. But I appreciate that Farscape was kind of aware of how much... it, it, it. Farscape is aware to an extent that I don't give a lot of things from this time period credit for being aware. Yeah, the show is really willing to engage with the fact that after a unifying event, people almost immediately look for someone to turn on. Mm, Yeah. Which is very much a 9-11 thing. Yes. We were very united as a country for like... A day? I was going to say a couple weeks, but even that was tinged with a lot of xenophobia, and that ended up resulting in a lot of people committing hate crimes based on nothing. I mean, I guess hate crimes are never really based on anything, but, like, I... I, And it's it's always weak when sci-fi tries to use... Alien races as a stand-in for, for actual minorities. Especially because, as this episode establishes legitimately people have a lot to be afraid of from aliens and that's usually where this sort of metaphor breaks down because like yes it is bad when the government tries to keep track of any one group of people but like with mutants it's it it's a bad thing in universe but also you hit puberty and your sneezes suddenly blow up everything around like there's a legitimate reason why the government would want to keep track of mutants I mean, I feel like it works here specifically because it's about this kind of specific combination of arrogance and fear that feels very, very specific to humans. And it's, it, it feels like it works here because it's not about the aliens as a metaphor for minorities it's about here's the fucking humans and yeah the fucking things that humans do yeah the reason this episode works so well where other things that use the you other know, mutant metaphors perhaps yeah other mutant metaphors don't land is because it's really not about the oppressed people in this case aliens like it's not about them it's about the people who are being hostile towards them and you know what that goes back to why i was saying this episode works for me right when when in x-men a mutant is taken out of context and you know earth is passing legislation against them it's frustrating and i just it's it's hard to watch here here they're all gone right when they're taken out of context and earthlings are are fearful and violent it's like fucking earth we're just not going back there although yep as they point out later in the episode just the aliens appearance on earth led to a spike in hate crimes Mm -hmm. because something unfamiliar causes everyone to draw together and then they immediately attack the you know suck it ozymandias (sighs) 
Is it too obscure a reference? No, right? People know Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> people know Watchmen. Okay, okay. Just checking, just checking. Also, I mean, I I know it's it's implied that people are going to find out about it anyway because of Rorschach's journal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, like, you're right. It's not like that event would have, like, people would have drawn together for maybe a couple of weeks and then they would have turned on each other. Yeah, it was a terrible plan from the world's smartest man. He did it 35 minutes ago. I do like that part. Yeah. What was the deal with his tiger... I don't I remember that he had one. I read it because it's a very important piece of comics historia or whatever, but eh, I mean, I can appreciate how well written it is. I can appreciate why it is as well regarded as it was. I'm probably not going to read it again. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. It wasn't to my taste. Okay. Like, you can appreciate something as being objectively good, but not really... No. Like it or feel the urge to revisit I, it. No, I 100% agree with that sentiment. I'm just surprised Watchmen is that for you. Yeah. So one of the talking heads is talking about Dargo's physiology and his Chiron credits him as a xenobiologist. <laughs> when did he get that degree? Because... I bet it was a joke degree at first and now he's the only person that news organizations can contact about this sort of thing. Started out as a joke, but now it's real! <laughs> They talk about the tongue, which I like. I, I like how they're talking about the tongue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you knew about Dargo's tongue, why would you ever stop talking about it? I guess to the program's vague credit, they kind of point out how, like, the same thing we've been talking about. They're like, people were accepting of the aliens at first, but as time went on, and we found out the government was concealing things about them to us. Uh-huh. And then they play this clip that it was apparently withheld by the government. Okay, so this is one of Bobby's tapes. Dargo specifically tells him to stop taping, but he keeps taping. He He's like, I'm going to turn it off. See, that's the off light. And then he places it on the floor. Yeah, he begs Dargo to show him the tongue lash because he wants to know what it feels like. And Dargo's like, okay. He he <sighs> confirms that it won't kill him first. He's like, he's like, this won't kill me, right? And Dargo's like, no. Even a puny, tiny, half-formed human like you will... Well, we learned what I don't think we've known before, which is that the tongue specifically releases just enough venom to knock the subject unconscious for their biology. Like, it's a smart tongue. Yeah. And the sociology lady, like, he, he tongues Billy, Bobby, Bobby and, uh, and he gets knocked out, and Dargo's like... Noranti! Yeah, then the psychiatrist comes on. <laughs> and she's like, this was a clear act of aggression against a child. And they cut back to the, the monk guy who they've been cutting to for the spiritual Oh, stuff. yeah, there, there's a Buddhist monk who's been talking as well. I like the Buddhist monk because he's like, hey, every a learning experience. Every experience is a learning experience. And it's like, well, I mean, is the, is, is the learning experience here when someone tells you that their tongue does something, it probably does that thing? I mean, he wanted to know what it felt like, and now he does. I really, uh, it, it makes sense, but the the bits covering Tiana are really uncomfortable. They had a bit earlier where she was hiding in the bushes crying because she was playing with a rat she found, and uh, it died, possibly because of Naranti's poison. Definitely because of Naranti's poison. But it's this really vulnerable moment with Tiana where she's just really upset because she... 
she was playing with the rat and she she was like i i don't understand why he he's dead i didn't do anything that should kill him and they have this whole thing about how she like has this child's view of the world but also she's clearly a sexual creature and i'm like uh well the way that the video is set up we know that's not how chiana is that's not chiana yeah but the way the video is set up the alien visitors must either be monstrous threats or naive children. That's kind of why no one knows what to do with Aaron. That's why Aaron is so scary to them. Because Aaron just looks like a hot human woman. She's she's not naive at all. Like, she calls out the interviewer on what he's doing. And she's not monstrous looking. Dargo is easy to categorize. Dargo is a monster. Neuranti is also easy to categorize as a monster, as like a witch, right? Yeah. Chiana is not human, but she is hot. It's weird because I feel like they go the other way with uh, Sokozu. Sokozu does not get a large section to herself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they kind of qualify her as also a monster. Yeah, but that's because Sokozu is Rude. genuinely, genuinely psychotic in the way she talks to people. So it's real. <laughs> and, and also, the thing, remember... Remember that every character, every alien has learned to speak English and is speaking like, and is, is communicating root. I I mean, they're speaking English perfectly well, perfectly well. But other than Sokozu, this is like a language they have learned very, very recently through a lot of difficulty. Like as we've talked about before. Translator microbes have to make it really difficult to learn other languages. Right. Sokozu, on the other hand, knows enough English to be a snarky bitch. <laughs> like, imagine if Chiana had a full grasp of the English language. She would be just as snarky as everyone else. But, yeah, the, this this part makes me uncomfortable, where we see Chiana coming out of the shower and playing with makeup. And it might just be making me uncomfortable because they have her eating, like lipsticks and it's like don't don't do that yeah and then she's like washing up in the toilet because she's like it's a huge waste that you have so many different ways to convey water in one room when all you need is one like just use the toilet for everything and she starts washing her face in it and bobby's like that's really gross and she's like it's clean water you you know yeah she's not wrong and then, and then we do get a shot of Rigel and Chiana together on Moya watching this video and being like, oh, fuck those assholes. Yeah, because they're talking about how childlike and naive. And But then one guy comes on and is like, she's a bad influence on children because she's sexy. And I, you know what? Rigel comforts Chiana about it. It is a kind of sweet moment. I'm sorry, the too sexy thing just reminds me of someone posted about this. I didn't watch it. It was after my time. Uh-huh. But uh, are you familiar with the show Wizards of Waverly Place? Yes, it was after my time. I was at, well, it was after my time, too. I thought you said before my time. Oh, I might have. I meant after. Okay, yes. I'm familiar with it, but I haven't watched it. How old do you think I am that that would be before my time? I mean, I, I now misspoke there, but... Well, there's nine years difference between us, and I just know that... I just don't know when that happened, so I thought maybe it happened between... Yeah. I was an adult when that came out. I'm much older than Selena Gomez or whoever was in that show. I don't even know who started in that show. Uh, but the mom in that show, 
actually, I know the dad in the show was um, the guy who played Bug on a Third Rock from the Sun. Okay. Dom DeLuise's son. Okay. Okay. And the mom was the woman who did the voice of Hawk Girl in the classic Justice League cartoon. All right. Uh, but the reason I brought her up is because I know this from Twitter. Apparently, uh, there were some scenes where the censors fuzzed out her cleavage. They put like a blur filter over her cleavage if they felt like the shirts that she and they had all these screenshots of it. I don't know how accurate it was, but I'm like, really? Uh, someone with with big boobs. That's so annoying. It's a thing that happens. It's like. You can be wearing the exact same outfit as another person with, with you know, a smaller rack and be told that what you're wearing is inappropriate. And it's like, no, what you think is inappropriate is my body. And frankly, it's gross that you find my body inappropriate. And yay. Li- living in a female body is just awesome. It's awesome. Because of society. Because of society. <laughs> Doing a lot of 30 Rock references this episode. Uh so, um, yeah, we get a shot, we, we, we get a Rigel segment, and Rigel's thing is just eating and loving sugar and loving processed food. I do like that one of the people who are, one of the talking heads is like, it's really easy to forget because everyone sees this guy as like a giant cartoon, but he has like a whole planet's full of slaves. Like, he talked about the fact that he is literally the emperor of a species that has conquered hundreds of thousands of planets and owns billions of slaves. See, I thought you were going to talk about the sociologist who sees Rigel talking about how amazing processed food is, and it's like, you know, none of us want to admit it, but he understands us. He gets it. And I I do like this. I think it came up earlier, but the bit where he's talking about how amazing uh, processed food is to John, and John's like, so is it like a drug to you? And he's like, oh, yeah. It's super a drug to me. Like, he's very upfront about the fact that sugar does exist on his planet, but it is recreational slash, I guess, used for executions if you eat too much of it. And he's like, you know what? I'm rolling the die. Oh, also, speaking of time freezes, we also learned that Rigel has been calling phone sex hotlines. Wow. Yeah. Which is weird because he's not a body breeder. Not a body breeder. We need Honestly, to let that go. It was like see, yeah. it was see it was one line in season one, but it and I think it's been very clear from now. <laughs> Remember the episode where he kept having sex with the female Hynarian? I do, who, I do. Who's just like the female gremlin from Gremlins too? <laughs> Meaning that it was just another Rigel puppet that they'd put a wig on and, and eyelashes. For some reason, she had really long eyelashes, and, and then they uh, they Janeway her at the end. Yes. Or yeah. President What's Her Bucket Her, if you want to be more accurate to source material. President Rosalind Her. Yeah, they airlock her at the end of the episode. You just see the uh, you just see the <laughs> little Rigel puppet with eyelashes like, floating through space. So next segment in the documentary, they bring in the cop who was who ran into them in the 60s. I love how much the interviewer does not give a shit about not making this guy look like a crank. Yeah, no, it's wild the way he's like, okay, this asshole thinks that there are aliens, even though we know there are. We know he's right now. Yeah, and he's describing his encounter with the aliens, like rolling his eyes and making jerking off motions. And he's like, but the descriptions that he made from the report in the 80s do exactly match the aliens who just showed up on Earth. So. Now, to give to give this guy, this cop, as 
the tiny, tiny amount of credit he deserves, given the timing of everything that happened, because remember, when John went back in time, he realized his dad was going to fly in the Challenger mission, so he had to stop his dad from doing that. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so from this cop's point of view, it really is suspicious, and he thinks that the aliens blew up the Challenger shuttle to set our space program back. Which, fair. That, 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 is, that tracks. That tracks logically. It's kind of weird that the host is treating him like he's this total crank. I mean, he he does have the whole, he's wearing a baseball hat and it has tinfoil inside of it. He shows it off, which, yeah, that's cute. Yeah. Also, he's carrying around a pumpkin, like a rotted pumpkin that, it's weird we don't see the front of it, but I assume it's the pumpkin that uh, Rigel carved scorpius's face in and he was all like no human could do this yes yeah yeah he's he's not doing a great case presenting his case no no he's not so chiana's doing some manic sexualized dancing and she's like hey bobby you want to have sex and he's like no i'm like 14 she's like 14 year olds don't have sex on your planet and he's like no not typically this is the part where i'm like he's being really upfront because you think a 14 year old would be more inclined to lie about this sort of thing but he's like no i find you very attractive but i'm not ready to have sex i've never had sex and this is going to go on national television he also says it's illegal for 13 year olds to have sex which i guess is technically true but it's a weird way to put it yes and Shanna's like yeah, but look at the way your culture treats children. Like, that's pretty messed up, right? I mean, she's just saying the things she's seen, especially in the early 2000s. And she says, she's like, okay, so if 13-year-old girls aren't supposed to be sexualized, why are they? And he's like, well, they see things on TV and they go out and they buy the clothes. And she's like, yeah, and who's selling that? Who's selling those images? Who's doing that? And then the Buddhist monk is like, yeah. She's right. And one of the dour talking heads is like, that boy is only 13. Should he be having this frank talk about sex? The dour talking head, by the way, is a is a Catholic cardinal. Mm. Yeah. And, and one of the other talking heads is like... The xenobiologist. The xenobiologist is like, this is less sexual than the stuff on Dawson's Creek. Can everyone please calm the fuck down? Which definitely, definitely feels like something that a writer in a writer's room said after getting a standards and practices memo. Okay, granted, I've never seen Dawson's Creek, but I think Farscape is aggressively more sexual than I Dawson's I mean, it Creek. is the horniest show I've ever seen. Yes. Like, we were talking about vomit, but canonically, Darko has spooged on people's hands I mean, we so didn't... that they could use his, yeah. his spaceship. Yeah. Okay, wait. This is one of my favorite parts. Yes. We're, we're getting, we're in the Sakozu section now, and we see a section with Bobby and Sakozu where they're on Moya, and she's, like, up on the, on the ceiling because she can shift her gravity around, and the xenobiologist is like, I did not know she could do that! I wish I had known she could do that, so I could have asked her about it when she was here! <laughs> Again, this is one of the things that I love about Sakozu, which we talked about in the early episode, in one of the early episodes is the fact that she just kind of assumes people can do the things that she can do, and if they can't, it's a failing on their part as a person. Yes. That's... Because it, it, she's not she's not a species supremacist the way Jewel was. She's like, your species is just as good as my species. Why are you? 
you, this individual, so lacking. Yeah. So. John has a, back in the present, I mean, he's watching it on TV. In yeah, the back on Moya. Or, or yes. Cur- I'm- we're, we're all currently, not on TV. John goes to confront Sakosa and he's like, I know that you know where the secret base is. And she's like, oh my God, you need to shut up. Shut up now. I wish I had never told you about the stupid fucking base. And then conveniently, on the video that's still playing, John sees Sakozu on the video pick up an ashtray and, like, examine it. And in examining it, she holds it in front of her face, covering half her face. And then John remembers where he heard Sakozu talk about Kachatsky. It was in the alternate universe where she was Stark and had the Stark mask. Yeah. He's like... Oh, right. That one episode of in all those alternate universes. Uh, we have to go back to that place where that old man died. Yeah, so he's got to go to the alternate universe because that's where the Skyrens are hiding their base, in an alternate universe. And theoretically, Aaron's there. Yeah, theoretically, Aaron's there. And again, she's front credited, so we're probably going to see her next episode. We saw her this episode. We're probably going to see, John will probably see her next episode. I'm just saying they could outside just, of the context of a video. I'm just saying they could keep Claudia Black front credited and just come up with new footage that Bobby shot for the rest of the series. There's not that many episodes left. Oh, oh my God! There. That's not what's gonna happen. Don't worry. Way back when, I had a friend who read an article in like the National Enquirer or something that said that Rachel was going to die in childbirth in Friends. But Jennifer Aniston would say friend credited as a, like, spiritual role who would appear to care other characters in their dreams to help guide them. And I'm like, they're not going to do that. And my friend was like, it was in a newspaper. And I was like, that's not a real newspaper. That, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that piece of information you've just given me. Anyway, uh, John runs over to Pilot and he's like, we have to go back to the wormhole! And Pilot's like, okay, you know we're afraid of wormholes now, remember? How we have a fear of wormholes now? And also, we have to ask the captain, remember how we made you choose a captain and it's not you, it's Dargo? And John's like, ah, Dargo, tell Pilot to suck it up and go to the wormhole! And Dargo's like, um, we're not going back to Earth because we just spent a whole episode watching a video about how everyone on Earth hates us. And John's like, no, no, we're not going back to Earth, I just need to go into the wormhole so I can talk to the time guy again. I thought the time guy died. He doesn't say he's going to talk to the time. Yes, he did. But yeah, we just need to go to the universe's butthole so that we can travel into the... the, 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 the yeah, they got to go to the alternate world. I mean, what if it's just an alternate version of the prison? And Aaron's not there? Yeah. That's... Or Aaron's there, but she's like one of those frogs that burp fire. That's a very real possibility. That's 100% a possibility. So, we go back to the uh, closing credits of the show, where the... Of the show within the show, the documentary. Yeah, where the host is like, well, we know aliens are real, and that they're super capable of blowing us all up, and that there's nothing we can do about it, so sucks for us, I guess. Good night and good luck. Yeah. (laughs) So, the last scene, John goes to talk to Scorpius, who we haven't seen all episode, and... It's too bad we didn't get his interview segments. Scorpius didn't go down to Earth. No, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. Cause that, For obvious reasons. Yeah, can you... This 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 alien visitation video would have been very different if they'd gotten a load of Scorpius. And... They, they must have kept him out of Bobby's range, too, right? They're oh, like, yeah, they did. Don't go in that room, Bobby. Yes. 
So remember a couple of episodes ago when John told Aaron that she needed to stay away from Scorpius and they needed to pretend not to be in love because it was really important that Scorpius not know that John was in love with Aaron because he would totally use that against him to get the wormhole knowledge. Well, that's out the window now. Yeah, John's like, hey, Scorpius, you know that the only thing I really care about is Aaron? You help me get her back and I will give you the wormhole knowledge because I don't fucking care what happens to Earth if I don't have Aaron. Fuck Earth. Yeah, right? Fuck Earth! After everything we've seen? Yeah. So yeah, John is... John's gonna give John is gonna give up John's gonna give up the universe for Aaron. He's gonna give Scorpius the wormhole knowledge, the thing that he has been so afraid of doing. Other John died to keep the wormhole knowledge out of Scorpius's hand, but this John won't give up Aaron. End of episode. I just I feel like that means something, you know? Like the sacrifices that they are and are not willing to make. Like John well, because remember, to be fair, this John has had experiences that Scar John didn't have. Well, we've established that John and Scar John are basically the same person still. Because remember, when he's watching the video, they're still like doing the rock paper scissors thing. Yeah. But what this means to me is that John is willing to give up his own life to protect the wormhole knowledge, but not Aaron. Mm. Which I think tracks pretty well. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's it for this episode. I really like this episode. I feel like that could have gone either way, but it went the good way. I agree. I think it it was not as annoying. Like, I gen I generally like episodes like this, but I feel like there's a real danger of it being annoying, especially when you're dealing with just willful ignorance, right? Like a bunch of people on Earth who don't understand the aliens that we've been living with for four years. Yeah. So. And and they're not wrong. They are legitimate threats. This is going to throw a wrench into our segments, though, because. Like John, we are in a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you this episode? Uh, honestly, I kind of like that they have a CB radio network in space. Apparently, I yeah, I I am I am liking thinking about scaring truckers right now. Like it's such an old school thing, but it's also something I totally believe could exist in space. Yeah, hmm, that's a good point. Uh, like John, we are surrounded by strange alien creatures. What creature design worked for you this episode? There was nothing new. I, I enjoyed remembering the female Rigel puppet flying through space. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just thinking about a puppet design from another episode that was just the laziest thing imaginable. It was just Rigel with eyelashes and long hair. Sure, why not? Uh, like John, we are looking upward at the wonders we have seen. What emotionally resonated with you this episode? You know that Aaron moment? Ah, uh, wait, which one? There were a few, and they were all amazing. Oh, God, I'm trying to put my finger on it exactly. I think it was with it was with Bobby. Uh-huh, where, where she's like, where he's like, what did you get for me? No. Where she's talking about how she grew up in the creation, he's like, and he's like, well, did you want a family? And she's like, as soon as I knew what one was. Yes. That, oh. I couldn't bring the words to mind, but that moment was what got me the most. The fact that she she admits, like, look, as soon as I found out that this was a thing that could happen, like, that you could have these connections, I wanted them. That was a very powerful moment. Honestly, this whole episode emotionally resonates with me because just this whole episode, just John... Ben Browder generally is a little hammy just my word <laughs> just just a touch hammy i can't believe you would i can't i i, I can't believe you would say that about ben browder 
but his pain in this episode is so real. And, like, literally every every member of Moya, like, his family now, coming to him to to try to help him deal with this pain that he's feeling. Like, it, it, I, I feel it. I feel it. Also, it's a very little thing. But I really like the dynamic Dargo has with Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we can tell that he does enjoy being around kids. Also, I feel like there's a, a real desire to kind of protect Bobby, but in Dargo's experience, that means telling him the truth about things. So he's just being very upfront with him. It's a very big brother thing where it's like, look, our parents, in this case the U.S. government, is going to lie to you about the dangers you're facing. I'm going to tell you the truth because it's the only way to be prepared, but also... There's not really anything you can do to prepare. Well, there's a moment where that we didn't talk about where... He, Bobby's talking about Dargo being a great warrior, and Dargo says, that was just an accident of birth. You shouldn't aspire to be a warrior. Mm. Yeah. Also, are you, Dargo? I know, right? Are you? Right. What so, do we got next? The next episode we're going to talk about is called Prayer. Okay. And the description on Peacock is, Crichton and Scorpius travel through a wormhole to a mixed-up version of Moya. Ugh, barf. We're going to spend a whole episode in that universe? Yes. Ugh barf we had things too good we had two really good episodes in a row Ugh, we're so we're so like we're in the home stretch now yeah After it's th- this one and then the three-parter right well so it's this one it's a three-parter which by the way this three-parter that's coming up is called we're so screwed <laughs> that's the name of the three-parter and then the finale is its own thing so we've got four more episodes to go before we're done wow and then of course the peacekeeper wars and then of course the Patreon-only special that we're going to do where we talk about Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Because, you know. We have to. This, how could we not? How could we not? So I think that does it for this week. Yeah, that should about do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, Dan, and Anthony. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you can email us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com, or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Wow.